Yo, welcome to Voice Acting Up, a podcast where I interview working voice actors who are working their way up. I'm Sean Rohani, and today is part two with Bo Bridgeland. We talk about how to authentically portray certain English accents, crazy improv coincidences, and how voice actors can monitor their mental health. I have nothing clever to add to that, so let's do this. Have you ever listened to shows and, you know, because obviously in animation and in video games, while there are plenty of talented British actors, Americans have been cast to do British roles as well. Do you find yourself catching those when you're watching cartoons and whatnot? That's a great um, question, and yes, yes, I do. Because <laughs> uh, yeah. like I'm, I'm, I'm sort of someone who is... Uh, I'm I'm very easily pleased and easily impressed, and you know I I, I will mm-hmm. watch like TV shows and stuff and be like, wow, that's awesome, um, and you know, and I always like to be nice about stuff, but I mm-hmm. uh, you know sometimes I will hear someone do. I it's an, it's always an interesting thing because I, if I kind of hear someone and I hear their English or they're trying to do English, I will mm-hmm. you know immediately. Um, the game show theme plays, and it's like, ah, they English, um, and <laughs> right. um, you know, and you kind of listen, and uh, you know, and, and some people kind of fail the test like within ten seconds. You'll hear them say mm. something in a particular way, and it's like, nah, you're you're American, you know. So, and, and then <laughs> right. there's some people you're like, hmm, they they might be like Australian doing English because mm. they're really good at it, but oh, I'm right. not sure. I'm not sure if they're English though. Like they sound mm-hmm. really good, but I think they might be something where they'll kind of have a better understanding of what an English accent is, mm-hmm. but they won't be English themselves. And so that's kind of an interesting thing as well. You can sometimes guess if someone's like, say, something like Australian or New Zealand or South mm-hmm. African doing an English, right? Um, because the, those kind of countries might have a bit more of like a influence of. English stuff might integrate over there a bit more than it does here in the USA. Because I do not blame people here in America for, like, finding an English accent hard. For one thing, English accents are hard. And we were just talking about doing regional accents. There are so many of them. And you can go, like, 20 miles and have a completely different accent. And it's crazy. (laughs) And I do not envy anyone who has to learn to do English accents. It's Mm -hmm. very tough. I think, and I think it's sort of deceptive as well because it seems like something it should be easy, but it's just not. And I, I think there's also something about like the actual mouth placement and the way you kind of realign your nasal passages and your throat mm-hmm. that is, it's harder to do it, um, an American going into English than English going into American. Right. Um, I think that, but the other thing as well is just that, you know, back in England, in England, you are swamped with American stuff, mm-hmm. you know, like movies, like you know, it's called Hollywood for a reason because, right. like, Hollywood is America, you know. So you get all the American movies, you get all the American TV shows and, like, you know, comedies and dramas and cartoons. You see America on the news, like, free, you know, sort of frequently. Um, you know, whether you're growing up, it's, like, once a week and in sort of, you know, recent years, it's almost every day. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it's sort of, you know, so... English people are bombarded with American accents. And you can just get regular English people who are not actors or mm-hmm. artistic or anything who can just do, like, great American accents because they just hear it all the time. Right. But I don't think the same is true for, like, American people. You know, how often do you see the prime minister on the news out here? Right. How often do you... How many, like, English movies do you watch every year? Because there aren't even that many English movies released in England right. every year, you know. It, so they do have a movie scene, and, they, mm-hmm. you know, there are a lot of wonderful movies released, but 
you know, how many of them make it out here? Not necessarily loads. And same with the, and there are more TV shows and stuff. And like Netflix has been a really cool thing because there are a right. lot of British shows out here. You know, we, we were talking about um, the one, how oh, dang it, the one with Flog It in it. Um, oh, Find It, Fix It, Flog It. Find It, Fix It, Flog, <laughs> flog It. Um, yeah, exactly. You know, like stuff like that kind of, um, you know, gets into the system out here now. Yeah. But, but, but generally, yeah, I, I don't think, say, like American children would grow up really having a true sense of what an English accent is. I think they would just have like a very general sense from the sort of few Englishy things they watch. Right. Um, so they kind of like have this very general, generic idea of what an English accent is, mm-hmm. but without being constantly bombarded with it and maybe, you know, sort of subconsciously under- understanding some of the nuances of it the way that an English person would with an American accent. So right. um, I, I do not envy people at all. I, I'm not like harsh. I'm not like harsh on people or anything, but mm-hmm. I do like listen to people. And I, yeah, I, I am like silently judging when I, yeah. when, when I do hear it, when I do hear like an English accent in something where like there's a possibility they like could be an American person or or, or, or even just from some other country, mm-hmm. I do kind of start to listen and and I, I do play that game and right. you know yeah that, so like I said some people fail it very quickly some people I'm like okay I've listened to like five minutes of, you know we're like we're like five <laughs> minutes into this episode they've mm-hmm. talked quite a lot did they get an English person for this you know and and then you know and, and then they'll be like and then you're like you know like it's like a 22 minute episode 17 minutes in they say something where it's like. Nope, they're American. <laughs> oh, they were so close. They were so close. They almost had me. Right. <laughs> yeah, oh, man. So. I, I mean, yeah. That I think most Americans can only wish to to make that category of the of the game show. <laughs> but but there are but there are some really amazing people who do mm-hmm. um, fantastic. They're just like some random movie. I can't think off the top of my head, but I just I know sometimes I have watched movies right um, where I was like, dang, that dude. Like he's American, like wow, like no idea. Yeah, um, are, are there a, like? It's kind of a tough question to answer, but uh, when you hear Americans doing an English accent, and you can sort of tell right away, are there common things that give it away for them, or is it yes. just again one of the reasons an English accent is hard as well is because there's no sort of. You know, like the rule, the spelling rule, I before E except after C. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't teach that anymore because there are so many. Ex- it, it's like only relevant like half the time or something. Like there are so many, right. like a word like glacier, you know, like right. um, and stuff like that. Um, you know, they're, they're, and uh, although like examples like the word glacier, like it's obvious that that has an I before the E, even though it's after mm-hmm. a C. It, it's kind of like, but but with but with English. Um, with an English accent or with, like, say, a neutral standard sort of British English accent, it's it's hard to come up with rules where it's like, okay, if you're kind of saying this, like, the, like if you see this letter, you pronounce it this way, and if you see mm-hmm. this letter, you pronounce it that way. It's it's kind of hard. Um, yeah. But the thing where I do, the thing where, like, 90% of, like, Americans kind of get it wrong or 90%, yeah, no, like 90% of people get it wrong or something, mm-hmm. I would say, um there's like an a sound um and it's weird in american there's like one a sound mm-hmm. but in sort of english it's kind of split into two a sounds um and again and i wish i could say if a word is spelled this way you have one a sound right. and if it's spelled this way it's like this a sound but it, it it's not that straightforward but if you have i'm just going to think of like some words that 
would be a good example of sure. This. Take your time. Um, <laughs> if I say the word past, you know, sort of past, present, future. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so past, and then if I say a word like like platter, here's a nice platter of food. Right. Um, you can hear I'm saying two very different A sounds there. Mm-hmm. The sort of past, which is sort of quite formal sounding, mm-hmm. and then you've got platter. Um, Americans kind of have something. It's a little bit more similar to that second sound, but it's mm-hmm. kind of somewhere between the two. They would say past and platter, yeah. and it's kind of the same A sound. Mm-hmm. And there's not if there is a difference, it's minuscule. Yeah. Um, but there's this kind of and I'll, actually I'll tell you an example. Um, I hate. Whenever I'm talking about friends, like the sitcom friends, mm-hmm. uh, talking about Chandler, because his name is Chandler. Yeah. <laughs> but, but like, I can't say that because we don't have that A sound in England. And it's not mm-hmm. Chandler and it's not Chandler. Right. But I have to kind of pick one, I have to pick one arbitrarily. <laughs> um, uh-huh. So, anyway, but like that A sound. And again, there's no hard and fast rule for when you pick each one. Generally, it's kind of like that sort of short, sharp kind of sound is if you have some kind of double consonant. So in a word like platter or planner, right. sorry, I think I popped there, um, planner, okay. platter, matter, mm-hmm. um, sassy, you know, all these kinds of words that have that sort of like ah, ah, right. ah. Um, <clears throat> whereas that ah sound is usually if you kind of only have like one consonant. So like past and father and mm-hmm. uh, lava and words like that. Right. Um, but there aren't. I remember there was one cartoon, um, and and again, this is where it's like stupid. The word pass is P A S S, so immediately that double consonant thing is ruined because right. it's it's that ah <laughs> sound. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, but it's there's a double consonant, so it, it's it's mm-hmm. ruined. Right. Um, <clears throat> but like a word passage, which kind of in terms of like the you know the origin of the word would kind of. The word passage would have developed from the word pass, um, mm-hmm. but but it's passage. You can hear me say passage. No one says passage. Right. And I do remember there was a cartoon because again, the the thing I usually hear because basically this is the the thing that Americans usually will get wrong. Mm-hmm. They will usually go for that ah sound on a word where it needs to have the uh, the ah mm-hmm. sound. Okay. So they, so they they'd say something like oh like sort of oh last time and it's like no it's right. last time right um you know. So that's normally the thing I will hear. I will hear like an ah instead of an ah. Mm-hmm. And again, I, I'm sorry. I wish I had like, you know, some list of, but it would be like a list of like 300, you know, like right, these 300 right. words say this way and these 300 say that, you know, it'd be stupid. Yeah. I think um, uh, actually, it, uh, was it uh, Liza Jane Snyder? Um, you know, she did do that. I think. Yeah, yes. I think she actually has that list um, somewhere. Yes. Um, yeah. So yeah. yeah, go find her list. But um, <laughs> but yeah, like but again, that kind of thing comes from like absorption. The kind of the right. kind of thing where like you know you're watching like you're hearing American accents every day from the TV and the news and the movies and the games. Mm-hmm. You know, like that's kind of where that under that sort of just inherent understanding of like whether it's an R or an A kind of comes from mm-hmm. again it generally is this sort of like double consonant and single consonant thing right. but that's not a good rule yeah <laughs> like it's... like the i before e thing right so right. you know one thing that i've actually because it's something that i try to work towards as well and uh so my brother lives out in france and and he my newborn nephew he's a year old um 
might not grow up speaking English necessarily. So right. I've been taking classes to try to learn French so I can communicate with them. And I'm I'm not fluent, but I'm maybe intermediate. But I feel like some things I learned in French. Sort of carry through in in certain、uh, English dialects. You, you are absolutely right.、You're、yeah, it's right. interesting. Like for example, well, because one thing I don't know if you、mm-hmm. know this, but、um, like a lot of, I, I mean, so English as a language is like derived from Latin, and I think there's like a lot of、mm-hmm. Latin, and then there's like a lot of French, I believe. So、right. uh, you know, like a word like saboteur. You know, obviously that's、mm-hmm. a French word. Right. <laughs>、um, right. You know, so.、Um, So you know, sort of, the, there are a lot of like French terms. I think there is like, there are definitely like a lot of French roots in English. So I, I totally, and I think places that are kind of just near each other and next to each other totally、mm-hmm. do have accent similarities and stuff. You know, it, right? It, definitely. It, it, and it probably is a mixture of being near each other. It's probably a mixture of their languages being similar, like Italian and Spanish, kind of.、Mm-hmm. You know, like I think.、Uh, Uh, you know, sort of like the number eight is similar in both those languages. Right. right.、Um, you know, there are elements of like France and Germany that are kind of similar,、yeah. and then obviously countries like Belgium. You know, will have like、mm-hmm. will, they will speak French in Belgium, and、uh, countries like Switzerland will speak French and German and Italian.、Yeah. So, <laughs>、um, so I, I, I do I totally agree with this idea that, and I was talking to someone the other day actually, and.、Um, I think,、uh, oh, because they, they sort of said like I'd love to be able to do like British and African accents, and、mm. I and、so、I was kind of helping them with English, like I was giving them a few pointers on English, and I actually said, you know, kind of I think this will actually help you with your African accents because sort of an an English language, an African accented English,、mm-hmm. those accents probably would have come from like originally. English people coming to Africa and bringing、right. the English language into Africa. You know, it's not like English people would would have been the people who brought English into Africa rather than like American people. Yeah. So, and yeah, maybe maybe Afri-、uh, African accented English will change over the years because of things like the internet and television, and there might be more African people who learn and develop their English skills from like American accented media,、mm-hmm. but.、Um, You know, like it'll be interesting to see how you know things like that kind of change like everywhere in the world. But、um, yeah, but, but you but you basically just had like an excellent point there that kind of、um, well, you. you know learning the French. <laughs> I think I, I definitely think there is like learning one accent can totally help you learn another, and because again, like languages kind of evolve and develop from all these places and kind of mix into、mm-hmm. each other as well. And, exactly, and not just the you know proximity. You borrow words from different、uh, neighboring countries and their languages, but Also, like I wonder if grammatically some things got picked up. Because, for example,、um, you know, in French, one of the things I learned is about their nasal vowels. So, for example, if a word,、um, uh, let's see, like、uh, entrepreneur is a good example. The reason it's not entrepreneur is because an e followed by an n followed by another consonant would be pronounced like a uh kind of sound, like nasally, like.、Uh, Yeah, so I wonder if a similar rule has made its way to, for example, Americans would say can, but they'd also say can't. But、uh, you know, English in you know yeah, the that, way you would say it is probably can versus can't. You know, yeah, can、like, and can't. Yes, exactly. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good simple example. <laughs> and again,、yeah. that's sort of like you know, again that like an apostrophe in a letter changes、mm-hmm. it. That's why it's like again. That's why I don't envy people. That's why I'm not like really hard on people because it just.、Mm-hmm. 
In so many ways, it doesn't make sense. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's so many irregulars that rules are basically, you know, pointless almost. Um, yeah, so. <laughs> and again, and to be honest, even even then, actually, just another thing I'll just quickly say as well, um, different people will kind of have different opinions on what, uh, say, like a neutral or well-spoken accented English is. Um, mm. You could hear someone who has quite a nice sounding voice and they will say psychopath. Mm-hmm. And then someone else will say psychopath. Hmm. And it's kind of, and I, I kind of don't know which one is actually supposed to be the correct pronunciation, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> and there's some, and there's some, like, I would say psychopath, but, mm-hmm. but then there are other words which would be uh, similar to that in structure and stuff. And I would say the ah instead of an ah, which is really weird. I see. Um, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, it, it's, it, it's, yeah it, it really is. <laughs> but, and, like, and that's like English language is hard. Like, it, yeah. It, it really does. Um, I think I said earlier my university uh, was called Loughborough University. It's in a town called Loughborough. Mm-hmm. And look at the word Loughborough. It's L-O-U-G-H-B-O-R-O-U-G-H. <laughs> yeah. And it's got two It's got two O-U-G-H's in. Mm-hmm. Neither are the same as one another. Right. <laughs> um, and there are like seven different ways I think you can say O-U-G-H. Yeah, you know, enough. Crazy. So there's like so there's like Loughborough, which kind of has like the enough kind of mm-hmm. Luff, right. and then the borough. Um, but then you know, uh, I'm just, I, I, I'm sort of blanking yeah. on all the other, but like I think there through, are like seven. Yeah, yeah, brew, yeah, through, mm-hmm. um, yeah, through, tough, um, yeah. like Slough. There's a place called Slough, and that's O U G H. Yeah, you know, but it's but it's, it's so it's got the same spelling as Loughborough. It's got that same set of letters in it. But it doesn't have the same as either of the two ones in Loughborough. You right, know, it, yeah. it, it's insane. <laughs> I know. Anybody trying to learn English as a language, as a second language, has my utmost respect because it's a tough one. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, you know, this is all voiceover related if you think about it, especially considering there's so much, uh, so many roles that ask for accents, can, uh, can I authentic accents. Sorry, sorry to interrupt, like, just because basically what you've just said is brilliant and I love it. And I just want to add, like, a really oh, interesting sure. point. Yeah. Have you ever heard Sean Astin talk about? Uh, him doing voiceover. Um, no, I, I know him, but I haven't heard him speak about voiceover. So he said, you know, because obviously he was like child actor, like Goonies and mm-hmm. uh, Rudy and all that kind of stuff. And he said, he said that he would like always get voiceover auditions for like years. And he said he like never booked a single voiceover audition. And I think he said like, I must have done something like 600 voiceover auditions without booking. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And then he did a little uh, indie series of films called The Lord of the Rings <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and but but obviously like he had to uh, do the accent for that and they had this sort of uh, rigorous uh, like accent training and they like had all these like diagrams of like the mouth and like tongue placement and throat and nasal and all mm. this kind of stuff so he kind of had this really kind of deep dive into doing the accent he did for the movie right and um, and he said there was something about learning that accent that helped something click in his brain that then helped his whole entire ability to do voiceover. I think because he was like on camera or something, there was just something about voiceover where he couldn't sort of translate his acting skills um, into voiceover, but something about doing that accent and learning just all that kind of stuff then really helped him. And then he like 
was able to actually book voiceover things, and now he does do like a bunch of voiceover things. And like you know, he was Raphael in the 2012 Turtles. He was amazing in that series. So I'm so glad. It's sort of like I'm so glad he did Lord of the Rings because he was a great (laughs) Raphael. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. That's an interesting point. There's so much I I wanted to be able to ask you, you know, uh, about uh, some of the things that you have on your website, for example. One of the things you actually said that was interesting, um, you saw on on my website, um, it's maybe hopefully you'll have a link to it or something. Mm -hmm. Um, It's www.bobridgeland.net. Bo is B-E-A-U. French name. That's I'm English, but I've got a French name. (laughs) Um, Going back to that, another throwback. Um, And then Bridgeland is B-R-I-D-G. L-A-N-D. There is no E in there. I understand the wanting to put an E in there, but there's not an E in there. Um, mm-hmm. But anyway, sorry, sorry to shamelessly plug my website. No, um, no problem. But, um, but you said on my website, I do have this section where I talk about the teachers who I learned from and the books I've read and the podcasts I've listened to and shows I've watched. And Yeah, there's, there's specifically the tab that, that we're referring to. It, it kind of reminded me of D. Bradley Baker's website, IWannaBeAVoiceActor.com. Uh, lots of relevant info to voice actors of all levels. Uh, so yeah. first of all, thank you for, for putting that out there. But uh, what compelled you to, to, to go through all the work of having that available? Um. So honestly, uh, it was just, I've had all these amazing teachers and mentors, again, people like Bill Holmes, who, again, people who don't live in here in LA and aren't part of the LA voice acting scene might not know who he is. And Mm -hmm. I feel like it's a real shame to not know who he is because he's been so, there are so many people here um, who are working their way up and like have been or are having success. And usually Bill Holmes will be a part of that story. Um, he has touched yeah. the lives uh, of so many people and been a positive influence on so many. Um, so, you know, it's kind of, I wanted to kind of, in a way, give thanks and try and do something nice for the people who've kind of helped me and had a positive impact on me uh, to mm. just kind of try and share their awesomeness with the world, really. Um, I'm I am definitely no uh, D. Bradley Baker in terms of, uh, like, talent or where I'm at with my career or anything, but mm. it's just me kind of being, like, you know, like Richard Horvitz has really been wonderful and really helped the foundation of my acting ability um, and and the way I approach my work. And so I just wanted to, you know, write a little paragraph and say how great he is and to link to his website and where you can, like, you know, sign up and take classes with him. And the same for Bill and Crispin Freeman and Keith Farley and Charlie Adler and all these amazing people. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, I just kind of wanted something to kind of like just, I don't know, pay something back to the people who have helped me. And I do have a funny story, and I can't remember if this was something we were talking about uh, before we started hitting recording or after we started hitting recording. (laughs) If it was after we started hitting recording, this is a great throwback. Um, (laughs) I I said about uh, coming from Cambridgeshire and Mm. about saying – how, you know, I always start with that. Like I say, I'm like, I was from a town near Cambridge because people have heard of Cambridge because of like Stephen Hawking and the university right. and everything. Um, but then sometimes you'll get people who have uh, heard of places near you. Uh, there's some improv classes I took, which are also recommended on the section of my website. Mm. Um, and one time I was in one of these sessions, and again, I, I sort of had that conversation. I was like, oh, I'm from a town near Cambridge. And they're like, oh, what's the town? And I, I said, my town. And, and they said, oh, is that next to uh, Ely? There's a city named Ely, which I was mm. next to. And I was like, oh, uh, uh, yes. And she was like, yeah, like my, it's like my brother-in-law 
um, it's like brother-in-law or sister-in-law um, is from there. So like say my <laughs> sister like married an English man and they now live and have their family in Ely. And it was like, oh my gosh. And she was like, yeah, I was like, yeah, just like last year or something, you know, like we all went to see them and like got on the train and went to the cathedral and all oh, this wow. stuff. And it was just, it was insane. And then, um, and then the teacher uh, of like the, the class, the workshop was, he was like, did you just say Ely? And it was like, yes. He was like, I was there like 11 years ago, like the <laughs> cathedral and the, you know, it was like, oh my gosh, that's crazy. And then there's another guy we were talking to in the class. And this class had about like eight people in it or something, mm-hmm. maybe nine if you include the teachers, say nine people there. So two of them had been to Ely and then we were kind of, and then there was someone else we were talking to. And then, you know, we we're like, oh, and earlier, like apparently these two have like both been to uh, like a town I live next, a city I live next to called Ely. And he was like, did you say Ely? It's like, yeah. And he was like, my college roommate like oh used to gosh. like live in Ely or something like that. And it was just the nuttiest thing ever. Um, and so that actually doesn't have anything to do with my website. But the, but the it improv, could be an SNL but, sketch. <clears throat> but I know, it, but it was just nuts. But in that improv, I, I, it wasn't that same improv class. It was like the week after or something. Mm-hmm. Um, there's this really nice girl uh, who I met and, and, you know, she loves cartoons and stuff. So we like got on right away. And it, so we were kind of talking. And then there's just this one point where she said, um, she just kind of very kind of suddenly said, is your website green? And I was like, Yes, it's very green. If you go to my website, it's very green. Mm. Um, and she was like, you're the reason I know about this class. Oh, and I was wow. like, what? And she was like, yeah, I was trying to look for like improv stuff in LA and I wanted to come here to like do voiceover. So I don't know if she was like typing in like say voiceover and improv or something like voiceover mm. improv classes perhaps. But then she found this section of my site the section we've been talking about and it had the recommendation for the improv class and that was how she came to be in the class like literally my website came up while she was trying to google for improv classes in LA and my website came up and it was just so nuts that we were then talking and it was it was crazy that she like figured out kind of who I was or, or, or linked me to that website like I wasn't like wearing a green shirt and green yeah. trousers and green shoes <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> um, you know um, but yeah so um, it, was, it was it was actually really interesting to know wow that stuff I actually helped like stuff I wrote to maybe also try and help people actually helped someone in the most random wonderful brilliant excellent amazing way yeah it's a i've had that experience with this podcast even and it's it's always such a good feeling to know because you don't always know who's listening or or watching or who's you know benefiting from it so uh when you find out it's it's such a great feeling and and, you know you mentioned you're not uh, at the level of d bradley baker but i think that's actually a good thing i mean you will get to that level but in the meantime (laughs) your advice pertains to people who are trying to pursue the craft and so does a lot of what d says but he's also established so he's probably not taking the training courses and doesn't have the knowledge of the teacher recommendations that you have and and that sort of thing Um, yeah no that's and just a general thing for everyone really is everyone has a different journey obviously mine is going to be very different having come from like a small town in the countryside in england there's that i have not met many people uh, like that uh, surprise yeah. surprise but um but everyone does have a completely different journey a different way they've got into this and the way that they pursue this and chase this and have success at this and and so and and that's actually interesting what you just said is a really interesting insightful thing that um you know diff- that also means that their advice can be different and stuff as well 
Um, right. Dee obviously has this like incredible wealth of knowledge, but there are experiences or things about, say, say like breaking into the voiceover industry that he will not understand as well as you or I will just because mm. of when he broke into the voice acting industry. It was a completely different time than when right. we have been breaking into the voiceover industry. So, yeah, um, exactly. And that's, I think, part of the reason, you know, I decided to do this podcast was because there are some great voiceover podcasts, but I didn't necessarily hear any that sort of have the perspective of the working voice actors who are trying to to continue to work their way up, um, right, such yeah. as yourself and many others who are super talented, but aren't yet, you know, those household names. Right. And yeah, and, and everyone's not a household name before they're a household name. Exactly. <laughs> so I really love that you're kind of like shining the spotlight on those people before everyone else shines a spotlight on them. Yeah, it's well, I appreciate that. And I'm just thankful that people like you who have a lot of talent, like it's crazy how talented all these people that I've spoken with are. It's it's cool to be able to chat with you guys until, uh, you know, before, like you said, you become household names. But one of the other things that I wanted to bring up from your website was uh, I discovered that you'd written a published book called Day to Day Happiness. Oh, yeah. So I was curious how, again, what compelled you to do that? I mean, that's not something people do on their downtime is write a book, but, you know, it's, uh, <laughs> um, it's quite a feat. I was about to go, like, I'll try and rapid fire this, but, like, that last question, I think, was, like, <laughs> five or seven minutes or something. So um, <laughs> No problem. Okay, so, like I said, I had a bad time at university. Mm -hmm. um, I developed uh, a deep depression Severe anxiety. Um, it's not fun. Yeah. And it was really awful. And basically when I finished university, I was just like a broken shell of a person. It was kind of one of the reasons that I did find it hard to like find a job anyway, because mm. there was just, I, I don't know, I just didn't really have my heart in anything. Um, right. So, but anyway, like I said, I kind of worked to get myself better. And then once I kind of felt more like myself again, that's when I was like, okay, what do I do? Well, I want to do the voiceover. Uh, and then that led to the uh, convention. And I'm not just repeating myself because it was at the convention that the idea for writing a book, uh, the seed was initially planted during that convention. Hmm. Um, one of the two kind of like co-hosts, creators, people who kind of set up the convention, um, Penny Abshire, she's wonderful. She's lovely. She's amazing. We were sort of talking, we'd sort of like seen each other around a bit and stuff. And we'd kind of like, we'd like internet talked before the convention. Mm -hmm. We had talked a little bit during the convention. But there was this one day where there was like some social event where we finally got to sit down and have a nice talk with one another. And I knew that she was like a real kind of advocate for uh, like positivity and stuff. Mm -hmm. And I'd found the sort of power of positivity and... Uh, and just I, I knew we'd gel and vibe and get on well. I knew we had a lot of similar ideas when it comes to trying to keep yourself happy and trying to fight off depression and anxiety and stuff. Mm -hmm. And uh, so we had this like really amazing chat and I sort of told her about a number of my uh, sort of insights into like depression and anxiety and things that I felt helped me. And uh, I mean, it was interesting even us just talking about language earlier Um Obviously, that's more to do with, like, pronunciation and, like, right. say, spelling of words and stuff. But language is a really powerful thing. Yeah. You can change one word in a sentence and it can 
or even like the emphasis of a word in the same sentence, mm-hmm. and it can completely change what that sentence means. And particularly in again the the, the messy English language, as we've sort yeah. of established, English is a weird language, and yeah. all, all these things that I've just said apply to it like more so because of that messiness. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so language is. I, I feel like language is like an important part of like depression and anxiety. How you talk to yourself, how you talk about yourself. Um, like a very simple idea is if you like drop a glass on the floor and it smashes, um, if your reaction, there's, there's a big difference in reaction between that was stupid and I'm stupid. Mm. Like, do you know what I mean? If, if every time you do something like a little bit klutzy and you say, I'm stupid versus that was stupid, mm. there's, there's a big difference between those two things. Yeah. Like call, calling yourself stupid just because something like we all do klutzy things Mm -hmm. um you don't need to call yourself stupid anytime you do one again i had all these kind of little things like that that i talked to about for like an hour Um, i won't give you that hour-long speech but like (laughs) but that's like an example of like you know but i was kind of talking to her about like things like that and and so she kind of had seen i'd like worked really hard to get rid of my depression and try and keep it at bay and um and she said like you should write a book and as much as I said that trip was brilliant and amazing and I loved it, that very first trip to America, my first time in America, mm-hmm. um, I was like, for half the, again, for half the trip, I was excited and overjoyed and felt really happy. The mm-hmm. other half of the trip, I just felt like deeply anxious and scared and terrified. Mm-hmm. So when she said you should write a book, I was just thinking about the part of myself that half the time had been feeling scared and terrified and like right. awful. And I was like, I am in no position to pretend that I have any authority on like happiness and positivity and keeping anxiety at bay because during half this amazing experience, I have felt awful. Mm-hmm. There was just one point, and again, it was kind of in that lull uh, between, you know, that last America trip and trying to get here to be able to live in America where, again, I, I kind of sat down and I started writing and I just would kind of write things. And, you know, and obviously it was like still a bit messy and I'd have to like uh, move things around and restructure right. things. but just. I kind of just kept writing all this stuff and I kept writing and writing and writing and and I kind of reached this, I guess, place in my life where I was kind of in a good enough place with my anxiety and depression that I felt like uh, it didn't really affect me much anymore. It wasn't a part of my day-to-day life or anything, Mm -hmm. really. But I was still kind of close enough to it that I knew the pain of it. I still had a very conscious uh, understanding of what I do to fight it. Like it's not these things that I do weren't necessarily all automatic things I do. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I kind of like, you know, I want to say put pen to paper, but like finger to keyboard, but that doesn't sound as good. (laughs) Um, but like, you know, but I just kind of like typed away and I typed away and typed away and, you know, and then it kind of became a book and uh, voice actor Rodney Salisbury has a really, uh, interesting uh, voiceover book but it's like it's a it's about like being positive it's called step up to the mic um and it's like this sort of it's like a physically small book but it kind of just talks about like being positive but like from the perspective of voiceover it's really interesting cool yeah and i kind of just wrote and i kind of had this idea of like okay i want this to be like a book and not like say blog posts or something and and to just try and make the chapters Again, I have waffled on so much during this interview, but the book is the complete opposite of how I am in my sort of speaking mm. uh, approach. 
I was different in my writing approach because I made everything incredibly concise, incredibly to the point. Mm. Chapters, it's like a small book, so it's not like a big, huge, like A4 piece of paper sized book. But like the page, the, the chapters are only about like a page long, maybe like two okay. on some of them. But they're very kind of, it's kind of just like golden nugget, golden nugget, golden nugget, golden mm. nugget, because um, I wanted to just be able to kind of like help people quickly and kind of get to the point. There's a really wonderful book that did help me with my depression, um, Feeling Good, The New Mood Therapy by Dr. David D. Burns. Hmm. And it's an incredible book. But when I look back on it, I'm amazed I was kind of able to read it because when you're like in the throes of deep depression, you have no energy, no determination. Right. You don't want to do anything. And I looked at this book and I was like, how did I read this book? Like when I was reading it again the second time, you know, it was kind of, I was like, that's a really good point. But I'm like, 40 pages into the book like you know like what if you can't what if you don't have it in you to get to 40 pages in the book right so i was kind of determined to write something that could kind of it's not going to cure all your ills it's not going to fix you um depression anxiety don't really work that way anyway there's not really anything that can Mm -hmm. but i kind of thought i kind of just wanted something to kind of be able to take people up a bit take some people up to like the next tier the next level of feeling good at least like if you if i can just mm-hmm. bump people up that one level that can maybe point them towards like david's book or that can get them to go to a doctor or or go to a therapist or start writing you know or to start writing a journal or whatever mm-hmm. just to kind of get these ideas into people's heads um these these ways to be positive these ways to have a brighter outlook on life because like being being positive isn't about um, like being happy all the time. It's not about setting unrealistic standards of like, oh, everything's going to be amazing and awesome. Like, no, right. life can be awful. But it's kind of like positivity. It's just kind of a mix of being realistic and being optimistic and, and, and knowing the different things that can happen, but then looking at the ones that are favorable and going, I'm going to try and focus and hope that those things happen. Hmm. You know, that's the very sort of simplistic way of saying it. But I just wanted to try and like help drum these kind of ideas these very kind of simple ideas of like you know what kind of you can do how you can like change your thinking a little bit to kind of have this like big impact on your outlook on life right um because I, I again once i kind of had been through my depression and anxiety journey you just see it like everywhere in everyone mm-hmm. you know you see someone drop a glass and go oh i'm so stupid and it's like no you're not stupid like yeah that was a silly thing to happen but you're not an idiot because of it you know and right. you, and you again that's like that's a very kind of simple example but people mm-hmm. kind of people just get way too hard on themselves yeah and i was too hard on myself and you know um so i i just kind of had this i kind of just put everything down and after a few weeks, I had a book, and I actually self-published it at first because I kind of thought, I don't know, I just kind of didn't want to like bother anyone, and I didn't think I was like worthy of mm. being published or anything, mm. and I just wanted to kind of get get it out there in a very simplistic way and a simplistic method. But a few weeks after I had uh, self-published it, I had a friend who messaged me, and he said, "Hey, I saw you uh, self-published a book. Like, my girlfriend works for a publisher. I'll see if I can get your foot in the door," mm. and which was amazing and brilliant. But I was like why didn't you tell me this a few weeks ago? Because I've been talking about that I was going to release a self-published book for a while. I didn't just like release it one mm-hmm. day. But yeah, but he got me that foot in the door. The publisher liked my manuscripts uh, and stuff. And we kind of worked together for a number of months just to kind of refine it and perfect it and get all the formatting and everything right and design a cover and 
Um, which is very green as well, just going back to the green thing. Uh, and yeah, and I'm, I'm actually really proud of it. That wraps up part two with Bo Bridgeland. What a nice, honest chat with full of great tips, like tip number one. While Bo gives excellent tips on how to better speak with an English accent, the best tip is to absorb English accent content. Many English people can accurately portray an American accent, largely because they are saturated with American culture and content. Two, learning an accent obviously adds to your voiceover tool belt, but it also subconsciously enhances your ability to manipulate subtle sounds to bring characters to life. Sean Astin wasn't able to book voiceover auditions until something clicked in his accent training on Lord of the Rings. And three, this is an I wish for more wishes kind of tip, but go to Bo's website, www.bobridgeland.net and check out his recommended tab, which has really great recommendations on voiceover teachers, podcasts, and articles. And on that note, may all you voice actors keep acting up.